Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Video Store Nightmares, the podcast where we discuss the strange, the bizarre, and the arachnid films of the VHS era. Tonight, we're talking about Real Oddity, 1976's Kiss of the Tarantula. My name is Luke, and I'm joined by Leland. Listeners, you can find 1976's Kiss of the Tarantula anywhere online it is everywhere there's no problems finding this do you find that surprising uh, i suppose it's a little surprising but this film also made it to blu-ray yeah i think this movie is in general like well liked i i i think it has a fan base out there i could be wrong i i have had never heard of this film until you brought it up for an episode I will say it feels good to be back in the 70s. We we even have an evil mother. Like, this feels like we're coming home. This is more on brand than what we've been doing. This, like, new, new age video store nightmare shit. It's over. We're back to the 70s. Yeah, I'm going to try to stick here for a little while. I mean, we'll see what the eight ball gives us, but... Um... This is this is like comforting. It's weird to say that about a movie that like involves incest themes. Like, oh, it's comforting, but <laughs> it is for me. This this is a, a very big throwback because I think this is the only this is only the second PG film we have covered. The first one would be what? Uh, Blood and Lace, the very I... first episode. I think the baby might have been PG. Oh my gosh, you're right. The baby is PG. I thought I was. Yeah, so we've done at least three. So okay, this is probably the third one. So to not not meet none of these films should be PG. Not a single one of them. <laughs> I can agree with that. Well, almost. I, I suppose I suppose this tarantula film should be more PG than the others because. Uh, Man, this this girl needs her father around way more. Yeah, is is he so point of clarity, is he running for office? Is that what's going on in the movie? No. What what? Because <laughs> at several points they talk about him going to a campaign meeting. And so I thought that meant it must be a political campaign, but I could be wrong. I don't remember anything about a campaign meeting. I remember him going out of town. I don't remember that being the reason. Yeah, they talk about it several times. Oh, the campaign. If you had spider blindness, I was just looking for tarantulas the whole time. Anyway, let's talk briefly about the the people involved here. Um, most of them did nothing else. Or if they did something else in film, they did it in a completely different role. So, for example, one of the writers is named Warren Hamilton Jr., uh, I think this is the only thing he ever wrote. No, he also wrote Black Samson and an episode of The Mod Squad. But otherwise, he went on to have a very successful career as a sound editor. So I found that interesting. The um, The person who did the music on this film is named Falon Bishop. What do you think of the music? It's all right. I really like it. It's done on like an old Moog synthesizer, and I can see why someone might consider it cheesy, but I think it's really effective. It's really sparse and like droning. 
But I mention it because um, this guy also composed the score to Messiah of Evil, which everyone knows I'm a big fan of. Wow. Yeah. So he only composed three movies, Messiah of Evil, Kiss of the Tarantula, and The Severed Arm. Oh, wow. I've seen all three of those. Yeah, so you've you've borne witness to this man's career. What do you think? I don't remember anything about the music of Severed Arm. Uh, it, it's it's not as good as Messiah of Evil, but the music is atmospheric enough in this one. It's all right. I think that's fair. It's atmospheric. I think that's the strength of this movie in general is it has a strong atmosphere, right? Yeah, it it leans really heavy on the atmosphere because the script is a little something. It. I have some questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think the most important question is why does everybody in this movie have such a weak heart? Yeah, um, because the you know more about tarantulas than me, but the kind of tarantula they're using is not remotely poisonous, if I'm correct. No, I mean, all tarantulas have venom, but um, there's only a few that could be seen as uh, medically significant, and none of them are lethal. Like, by medically significant, I mean you will probably want to go to the hospital to mitigate symptoms, because otherwise it would be miserable. But um, that's not what's in this movie. The the tarantula in this movie is a uh, Mexican red knee which is a a spider that is very common in the pet trade for people who actually want these things in their house. Um, They're imported from South America. They're nowadays, they're probably bred a lot um, among people in the trade, but they are generally skittish, not very defensive. You can definitely get bit by one. And the worst that'll happen is it'll just feel like a something bigger than a beast on you. Well, they are made to look very menacing. And uh, yes, many people die of supposed fright. This breed of tarantula in particular is used for a ton of vintage sci-fi and horror films. It's just like the, the stripe design on the legs just makes them pop on camera. Well, and they have a red. So. Yeah, they have red and orange. So. Yeah. They're very violent and aggressive looking. But I mean, I actually own one of these and I can tell you that uh, it they are very skittish. You just try to feed them a cricket and they'll run away for, you know, the first like 10 seconds before they get their bearings. Well, in that case, they did a pretty good job of getting like menacing shots of them on film. When you get a bunch of, when you stress out a tarantula, it, it, you and you put it out in the open like it's not in its what it would consider its home it tend its first instinct tends to just be walk in a direction so for just trying to get like a, a shot of a tarantula moving it's really easy you just take it out of its comfort zone put it on a flat surface and watch it go i'm glad that i have you on this episode to be the tarantula expert um but let's round out the cast and crew. So the director's name is Chris Munger. He only directed a few things. Um, before this, he directed Black Starlet, 
which was also known as Black Gauntlet. And after this, he directed an episode of The Life and Times of Grizzly Adams. According to Stephen Thrower's book, Nightmare USA, he went on to shoot some some human rights footage for Gregory Stanton, who was like a really famous human rights campaigner um, for the Cambodian Genocide Project. So I found that kind of interesting. But he would never make another movie after this. I think that's kind of sad. Yeah, that is. Uh, this, this is so weird how all of these careers are just stretching across these different areas of the 70s. Like, normally, the these movies are very, like the careers for the people who make these films are very hyper focused. But no, they're, they're all over the place here. Well, think of, um, Think of Matt Simber, who directed The Witch Who Came From the Sea. He also directed primarily black exploitation movies. So that that was a really odd combination, too. But anyhow, none of the main stars, except for the guy who plays Uncle Walter, were ever in another movie. Our main character, Susan, played by Susanna Ling. Uh, this is her only film. Her father was played by Herman Walner, a, a very tall, imposing man. Um, he was never in another film. Uh, her mother is Beverly Eddins. This is her only credit. Her uncle is played by Ernesto Macias. He did have a career. Um, he was in quite a. He's been in quite a few things, all the way as early as 2013. So, he's the only one who made it out of this with anything. Do you think that's because people didn't want to be actors and they were just like doing the director a favor? Or do you think that they just couldn't get work after this? Uh, probably the, the first one. Uh, it's a lot of the people in this film don't seem like they're professional actors without. And this is without looking at IMDb. So uh, that's not too surprising. Maybe there's a an alternate universe where someone found Susan's father and put him in like giant monster costumes for the rest of his career, but I guess that just didn't happen. Yeah, I um I'm kind of surprised about Susan. I think she has a very I, I don't think her performance is brilliant or anything, but she has a very interesting look. She has sort of an eerie, unsettling appearance. She kind of reminds me of Sissy Spacek in Carrie, right? Same, same sort of role, same appearance. So, I found I, I find it surprising that she didn't go on to have any career. Could also be one of those situations where this production was so scuffed it turned them off from ever wanting to act again. I yeah, doubt I thought that, <laughs> but. I thought about that. If that was the case, I don't know. I was thinking we would I don't I don't have the Blu-ray. Maybe there's like a making of the film on there, but otherwise I couldn't find out much about the backstory to this film. And I, I think if it was especially salacious for some reason, we would know about it. But I could be wrong. All right, you want to play the trailer and then we can get into the story? To all the world, this is the face of a child of innocence and beauty. But behind this sweet mask of purity, there dwells a tormented mind filled with the most horrifying imagination. 
her mind bent and twisted, seething and crying out for revenge as she sends her playmates, the deadly tarantula, out to execute her insane desires for death. this child send her own mother to a terrifying end. fascination with the coffins of the dead. No one can escape from these horrors beyond imagination. No one can escape from the kiss of the tarantula. And it clearly shows a PG rating at the end of this trailer. So this isn't one of those things that was like retroactively changed. Somebody, a, a review committee sat down watched this film and said yeah little timmy can probably watch this if his dad's cool with it well they didn't have a pg-13 at the time and we don't actually see anything really bad in this film all is all implied yeah yeah everything's implied so i don't know i'm not sure how much a kid would get even except that like the uncle is a bad man and he's scaring her Look, if you're just in this for the spiders, you, you can watch this trailer, this two-minute trailer, and just see all of the tarantula scenes straight up. Yeah, there's a lot more to this one. Um, yeah, yeah, I suppose. But if that's all you're here for. Yeah, not not all of which makes sense, but um, we'll get there. I don't know how much these spiders costed back in the 70s, but... In the early 2000s, a full adult Mexican red knee was like $300. And nowadays, it's dropped to like $199, $200 because it's probably been bred a lot more since then. But just keep that in mind when you watch this film and you see how many spiders are everywhere, how much of the budget just went towards arachnids. Maybe they knew somebody who bred them or they had some sort of connection. I guess there would have to be some sort of animal casting agency for tarantulas, right? I mean, not just tarantulas, but they'd have a tarantula option. I would think so. And the way the movie's filmed, I never, I don't get the sense that any tarantulas were actually hurt. Well, definitely not on camera. We do get to see a dead tarantula, but... Um, who knows when it died. Right. It might not even have been during production. 
this isn't like uh kingdom of the spiders where we clearly see tarantulas get stomped on yeah no it seems like every the main character loves spiders and by all indications the film production like respected that and took care of the spiders that's the sense i got but i'm not an expert or anything I would say some of the tarantula husbandry was a little questionable, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't really notice any outright cruelty. Well, the movie starts with a few flashbacks to Susan as a kid, and in each one, she's like playing with a spider or trying to play with a spider, and her mom intervenes and kills the spider, and she yells things like, you killed my pet. So uh, clearly, whatever bond she feels with spiders it, like, is since childhood. As a parent, if you see your kid doing something like this and you don't want it to like continue throughout their whole life, don't destroy it in front of them. That'll just make their resolve stronger. Yeah, well, this mom is particularly cruel. I mean, I've told everyone I love this archetype, the 70s evil mom, but... Uh, this woman is a sp like she clearly does not remotely like her child mm, she probably thinks the child's okay but she doesn't like what the child is doing well she she doesn't seem she doesn't like her husband either yeah she definitely does not dig this man at all i think she's just i think she just sees the child as like a burden what's a little shocking at the beginning of the film, right? Is that this mom is very upset watching her daughter pick up some garden spiders, right? And then she, after witnessing her mom murder one of these uh, spiders, runs to what seems like a completely different movie set to, to her father, who is working on uh, as a mortician. He's prepping a body for burial and he he's like, oh, honey, what happened? What's going on? Oh, you, you, she killed your spider. That sucks that she shouldn't have done that. But like, why does this mom think it's weird for the daughter to be playing with spiders when there's literally people being embalmed in a corner of the house? I mean, I think disconnect. I think maybe she does think it's weird and it's part of why she doesn't like her husband like there's one point where he tries to touch her and she screams don't touch me you smell of formaldehyde and death and and it's 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 one of the movie's best lines actually but uh, how did this happen and how did this marriage happen Do i don't know like they got married and then he like got into the mortuary service it must have been because I don't see how you could marry someone who works in a funeral home and then after the fact be like, man, that that is not my my vibe. Yeah, she she has another good line where she says, I'm sick of you. I'm sick of her and I'm sick of living in this lousy mausoleum. So she just she hates her entire environment and life is what it seems like. And uh, but. Yeah, maybe she thought that she'd be cool with it and then regretted it later. Or maybe he got into mortuary business, the mortuary business, after their marriage. Maybe she just wants his mortuary money. 
<laughs> don't so so spoiler alert she's having an affair with his brother susan's uncle uh, do they talk at some point about inheriting his money no they just talk about framing his murder um well actually not even framing they just want to kill him off yeah they but, seem very certain know, th this is going to be a very acab uh episode as the uncle uncle walter here is a cop and later a pro what a prosecutor is he a prosecutor i just thought he was a cop he, he starts off as a police officer in the beginning but then i think he uh ups his career to like potential prosecutor oh i missed that oh maybe that's the campaign the campaign thing oh like he, maybe he was going to his brother's uh campaign for you know pu uh, public prosecutor maybe prosecutor. all right cool. that makes sense yeah okay okay there's a lot of stuff in this movie like that though that's f where it's fuzzy where like I think it makes sense, but it's not quite spelled out for us. And so there's a lot of wonky script writing here, I think, or maybe editing or maybe both. It's like you're a kid eating dinner at the table with a bunch of adults and they're talking about adult things that you may be vaguely familiar with. <laughs> OK, that's a weird comparison, but I get you. Anyhow, what else? Anything else we should talk about the mother? I'm glad she's not around for very long. Oh, see, I wanted more of her. I was so sad when she died. Oh, yeah. No, no, it's okay. No, th this was this was the perfect amount of time for her to be in the film. Well, Susan overhears her talking with the uncle about killing the husband. She over can't... the over the phone. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. You, and just to put this in perspective. For people who are too uh, young for for landlines, like if you're on the phone on a landline in a house and someone else picks up another phone in the house, they can hear your whole conversation. Yeah, th this couple is not being discreet at all, and I get the suspicion that they feel like they're above suspicion, like they couldn't possibly be caught. The uncle, Uncle Walter here, definitely has some sort of like superiority complex going on he, he thinks he's invincible and he think i think he thinks that susan is really into him oh do you think she's not <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i don't think she is but i think that he i don't think he's just being like rapey although he is i think he yeah. <laughs> i think he genuinely thinks that she couldn't possibly resist him yeah that vibe is definitely there um, the mom is definitely into him though there wasn't him yeah so um susan overhears them talking about killing the father and um so she goes and gets one of her tarantulas and while her mom is asleep with a sleep mask on she puts the tarantula on the mom's bed and we see it slowly crawl up the mom's chest. And I guess she dies of fright. Like when she wakes up, she has a heart attack. Yep. She takes her sleep mask off, probably because she feels the sensation of a small hand climbing up her. And uh, 
she is so shocked to see a spider on her chest that she just dies. This woman who's probably late 30s, early 40s, just dies of a heart attack. Yeah. Well, tarantulas are terrifying. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. That's dying of fright. How often does that actually happen in IRL? I have never heard of it happening. I have also never heard of it happening. Uh, I mean, I actually have heard of people getting like arrhythmia, like older people, like, you know, 60 plus getting arrhythmia from being like shocked from something. But I've never heard of someone just dying from a heart attack. But you see this all the time in films. Well, not just films. You see it all the time in, in media in general. I will say that as ridiculous as it was, I was kind of relieved that they went with the died from fright angle instead of suggesting that this was a poisonous, uh, you know, deadly breed of tarantula. I guess, yeah, that that is a... I don't know if I'd call it a plus, but it is a direction. It is a direction they took. Like, there's another movie, Tarantulas, The Deadly Cargo, where um, that's also about tarantulas that are on the attack. But in that movie, they're actually deadly. And so there's a legit reason for people to be terrified of them, because if they bite you, you die. Um, but this movie doesn't attempt anything that ridiculous. So I thought that was kind of a win. You know, now that you mention it, I think this is the only spider horror film I've seen that doesn't rely on some sort of super venom. Like Kingdom of the Spiders was that way. You know, you have the, the classic arachnophobia from the 90s. Yeah, well, you know, normally it is like unrealistically venomous tarantulas or spiders. Yeah, and here I, I don't think the movie, like... Yeah, the tarantulas are scaring people to death, but the movie wants us to identify and sympathize with Susan, right? Who sympathizes and identifies with the spiders. And so the spiders aren't really the bad guys in this movie. Like when a tarantula does die on screen, I think we're all sad. Because it didn't do anything to deserve it. No. So let's talk about that scene. Um, this is apparently a Halloween movie. I didn't realize it, but there's a whole gang of of guys who are, I guess they're going to a Halloween party and they want to steal a coffin from the mortuary to use as a Halloween prop. They don't count on Susan being home during the break-in. She, meanwhile, is waiting for her date, which I found odd and kind of sweet that she had a date. She before this, there's a scene between her and her father where she, you know, talks kind of like laments that she's a social outcast because her dad's a mortician and that apparently puts people off. Apparently, not the, not the basement full of spiders, it's the fact her dad's a mortician. Yeah, no, I couldn't tell if the movie was really insinuating that or if that was just her defense mechanism explanation. I don't feel like the dad believed it. Okay. Like, oh no, honey, it's not you and your basement full of spiders. It's it's me. I'm I'm the problem. Yeah. Okay. I I buy that. The dad is the weak link here. He's not a very communicable actor. Well, he does come off as like wholesome. 
Like he's a wholesome dad and means some horrible things are happening to him, but like he's not the cause. It's just bad yeah. luck. His wife's a bitch. Was. His... <laughs> yeah. But anyway, they're they're breaking in to steal the coffin and they um oh no. Oh I wanted to talk about um Susan's date. I guess the guy who calls her is um, and basically invites himself over because he doesn't have any parties to go to. I guess he's in college. Like, he's an older guy, right? It seems like it because he's calling from what appears to be a dormitory. How old is Susan supposed to be? I didn't know, but I guess she was probably in high school. So I was thinking, like, 17 or 18. Like, we never see her in school. Um no one mentions an age. We're just kind of left to guess. It's ambivalent. But she does talk about the other kids at school, I think. I think that's how she refers to them. Yeah, I guess. I mean, she's clear, like her actress is clearly not that age, but, you know. Right. Comes with the territory. Exactly. So, yeah, I found it really sweet that this guy, um, even though... I couldn't tell if he if she was like his last resort or if he was actually really into her. I found it strange that she just went off on like how nobody liked her. And then she immediately gets a call from like regular college guy who wants to hang out with her. Well, she did seem surprised. Yeah, I suppose. Anyway, so she's waiting for him. She's all done up. And these guys break in to steal the coffin and they stumble upon her tarantula room. And I didn't get the sense that they were trying to hurt a tarantula or like wanted to hurt one. Did you? Uh, not at first, but when the guy picked it up and then spazzed out, you know, at that point, he dropped it and then stomped on it. Yeah. To, to, in case you haven't seen this, right? She she has like this tarantularium in her basement. It's basically just a bunch of like cartoonishly looking barred cages and there's at least one spider in all of them there is one terrarium where she puts two spiders in the same tank and that's that that triggered me a little bit because tarantulas will eat each other if you leave them alone for long enough anyway dude picks up one of these small little bird cages because his friends challenge his uh, arachnophobia he caves under the pressure, drops the cage, which realistically would probably just kill the spider outright because they actually die from really short falls. And then he stomps on the cage for good measure. It is definitely dead. Yeah, and, and he's clearly an asshole, but, well, they're all assholes. They're all assholes. They're breaking yeah. and entering to steal a coffin because they know the dad's out of town. Right. So they just assume that Susan's out of town as well, I guess. They also apparently bully her at school and are like, you know, assholes in general. Are they supposed to be the same age range? I think so. They look older than her. <laughs> because because after they leave and Joe shows up and her and Joe are talking, they're talking about how to get the guys to leave her alone because she's going to have to see them like the next day. So I assume that they went to school together. Uh, that makes sense. But she decides to get her revenge. So I, this movie's not edited well. It seems like the same night. But is it a different night? I assumed it was a different night. It 
I mean, maybe it's later on that night because it's Halloween and they're at the drive-in, but uh, it seems like it must be a different night because two of these guys are at the drive-in with their girlfriends and she sneaks in and fills their car with tarantulas. As a revenge for, you know, the death of her one spider, which she does build like a little memorial for right she has like the little box and she lights like the incense and she puts its little curled body up on the on the shrine yeah and then she's gonna later on do something else with it but uh yeah her her response to this transgression is that she takes a bunch of her tarantulas in a box she keeps them all in the same box and ambushes two of the guys while they're on dates at a drive-thru by clandestinely sneaking the tarantulas into the car so that they can do their whole fright routine and kill <laughs> as many of them as possible. Actually, I don't even know if, if death was really the, the aim here, and it just I don't, happened to be that way. Yeah, I don't think it was. I don't think she intended on killing them because she seems to feel remorse. Like, she seems to feel guilty. And she goes to the one girl who is like catatonic at that point, the one girl who survives this incident and apologizes at her bedside. So I, I assume that this was unintentional. The incident itself is probably the most ridiculous thing in this film. <laughs> How bad? Like, okay, this is what like today's youth would call an epic fail. Everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. Two people died because they tried to leave a car. Actually, three people? Three. Three people died because they tried to leave a car in a haste to get away from, what, eight tarantulas? Well, first off, I will say that as these, these couples are making out, we get very long scenes of the tarantulas crawling all over them. Um, and it takes them quite a while to notice the tarantulas, which I found surprising. But if you were scared of tarantulas, like if you were a viewer who was scared of tarantulas, I think this scene would really bother you. Like, I think you would be really creeped out because you literally slowly watch tarantulas crawl all over people. I have a hard time identifying with arachnophobia as someone who owns tarantulas, but also I just feel like it's silly. And unless you live in Australia where, you know, there's plenty of venomous spiders that can kill you. No, um, but people don't know, right? Like people think that all tarantulas are deadly. Uh, I, I don't get it. Like being afraid of bugs in general, it's just strange. Maybe wasps. I get that. I bet if you polled the population a majority would say that all tarantulas are deadly. Sad, but probably true. Yeah, so I think that those people really would be creeped out by parts of this movie. It's hard for me to identify with them, too, because the, the tarantulas don't particularly scare me. But um, I can sort of see how they might be really creeped out by this movie. When they notice the spiders in their absolute panic... You have one guy die from getting... Actually, I don't even know if it's one of the dudes. 
I might, I might not even know how, which guys died in which way, but one person gets kicked, gets their head, like kicked through a, <laughs> a passenger side window and has their throat slit on the cut glass. I don't even know if that's possible. <laughs> I don't think so. Cause it's like, well, maybe in the seventies, but nowadays there's like safety glass and automobiles to keep, uh, keep you from getting like severely injured from broken glass but maybe it was different back then i don't know and then another guy, guy and yeah. then and the other guy the other guy tries to get out of the car as the vehicle is accidentally put into what neutral reverse or something and as he's trying to squeeze out the car door it gets he gets squished to death between the door and uh, what is it like a drive through like parking uh pole or something i thought it was another car parked next to them so originally they were too close to other cars and then once the car went into the neutral or reverse or whatever it got out from the the between the other parked vehicles but then there's something that sandwiches this guy between the door and the car when he tries to squeeze out yeah, I don't know. His death was the most confusing to me and the one that seemed the least likely. Like I I haven't been to a drive-thru in a very long time, but I know at some drive-thrus they have like these um call pillars like you can call and and reach an employee and I guess they can bring you food or snacks or whatever. But they're I at think... the they're at the drive-in, right? They're not like yeah. at a drive-thru window. Oh, I said drive-thru. I'm in drive-in. Sorry. Yeah, you know a drive-thru movie theater where you pull through while watching something <laughs> yeah nah man i'm gonna drive in but okay maybe that like that kind of like customer service pylon is what like crushed him between the door and the body of the car either way man like this is so ridiculous how how bad this went right i think like worst case scenario people would just roll the windows down and climb out the windows yeah that seems like the most logical thing. But when you have tarantulas all over you, maybe you can't think rationally. And from Susan's standpoint, right? Like she just got really sad that like one of her tarantulas died. What do you think is going to happen when you put like 12 of them in like a closed space with like four jumpy people? Yeah, that's the ma that's the major logical blow to this movie is that it, it, she doesn't seem like she actually wanted to kill them. Because she seems remorseful afterwards and she says like, oh my God, in shock. Then she looks sort of proud, but um, she doesn't seem like she intended to kill them. Yet she's subjecting her spiders to this extreme danger of being smashed, you know, or killed or stomped on. And that doesn't make any sense to me. Despite being chonky for a bug, tarantulas are very fragile um it, it, they can die from like a drop from like three inches um obviously they have nothing to defend themselves if something just comes right on from top of it like say a foot or like a flailing appendage in a small automobile uh after everybody is dispatched she comes up next to the vehicle with a with her tarantula box and they all conveniently like pile back <laughs> into it like they're trained. 
Yeah, I was uh, blown away by that. And it's like all the soldiers are accounted for. Wow, incredible. I I was confused about one other thing in this scene, which is originally they can't get out of the car because there are other cars parked too close to it, right? Mm-hmm. But the police officers discover the bodies way later that night. So that means that these cars that were parked right next to them never said anything. I don't know. It it's, just seems... it's a stretch. This this whole this whole scene is a stretch. There's another scene later in the film. It's not as nowhere near as chaotic as this, but also happens in a drive-in theater. And uh I don't know, nobody seems to care. Well, after this I think Susan feels like she's gotten her revenge. And so she takes the dead tarantula and she puts it in one of the, the corpse's hands. I don't know. I found that very strange. This isn't the only weird burial thing she does, but it is the first time. I don't it know, just, it's just more like a, a fuck you to the dead, I guess. I guess, but it also seems like she genuinely loves the spiders. Why would you want your spider to be buried with the person who killed it? Maybe it's so the spider can haunt him for all eternity. Okay, all right, that's fair. I'll take it. So after the funeral, Susan goes to visit the catatonic girl, um, whose name is Joan, by the way. Um, So she goes to visit Joan. And she starts to confess, like to apologize. And this other girl, Nancy, overhears. So this is going to be important because this starts a chain of events where Nancy tries to convince another of her friends that Susan must be guilty of the the deaths of their friends. And so now they're kind of on to her. There is a scene after this that I really love. It's a long scene where Susan is walking alongside a stream or a river while while eerie music plays. This is a very 70s scene, right? This thing about like someone just walking through nature while eerie music plays. The only thing contemporary I can think that does this is like Twin Peaks, maybe. But otherwise, this is a very 70s um, film technique. And uh, I I really like it. I, I I for whatever reason it's really charming to me. This this is what people did before they had their nose into their phones all day, right? Walked along streams. Yeah, on like a balmy winter afternoon, in their long red overcoat. Well, this guy is following her, and it's one of the guys that broke into her house on Halloween when the spider died. Well, and the surviving guy. He was right. the only one that wasn't in the car. Right. And so he's the one that Nancy was telling that Susan was guilty of it. I like how he just immediately like takes her side of the story. He's like, yeah, all right, I will deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he suspects it already. I don't I don't know what this guy is supposed to be, but like when the friend com- comes to him the first time to tell him this revelation, he's like welding something in like the middle of a giant industrial room and he's wearing like gog like welding goggles and shit. I mean, while this girl is just like right next to him with no protection. 
Yeah, I thought he was like a mechanic of some type. Like he's just like an everyday handyman of some kind. He does everything, all all the blue collar work. Because the next time we see him, he's just in a random AC unit, like ducked. Yeah, so he does some sort of general labor, mechanic, electrical work. But yet he's supposed to be in high school? Yeah. Yeah? Maybe he's in college. I don't know. Maybe they're all in college. But he definitely looks like he's in his 30s. (laughs) Oh, yeah. What's crazy to me is that he follows her through the woods, right? And is is like, hey... I want to to meet up with you later and talk to you. It's like, bro, we're alone in the woods. Talk to me now. No, he doesn't say that. She doesn't say that. Instead, she decides to go on a pseudo date with him. Yeah, he he is asking her as if it's a date. And she agrees, which is weird. Well, I think she's out of a sense of guilt. No, I think she's desperate to have social connection. And this is probably... If not the first time, then one of the few times that she's ever been asked on a date. So I think this is like an important moment for her. But what happened to the other guy? I don't know what happened to him. She, like she he didn't... seemed like he seemed like he was gonna be a somewhat like pivotal side character. And then he just disappears after the burglary. He's like, Yeah, guys suck. And then he's just gone. Yeah, so I don't know. I I got the sense that he was really into her for some reason, but um, no, we never see him again. So I guess she has had some romantic attention already. It just doesn't it, make sense to me. Like if she's not doing this out of some sort of like guilt obligation, then why? I don't know. I just got the sense that she was very flattered that like a popular guy was asking her out on a date. But anyway, once they're out on the date, he takes her to the same drive-in where the others got killed and starts to interrogate her. And eventually, she jumps out of the car and just runs because she realizes that he only... Like, she realizes she's been played, right? Well, he tries to be sexily at first, but she ain't having it. Do you think if she um, like returned the affection that he would have dropped all that stuff? I don't know. Maybe he would have seduced her and then started the interrogation. I don't know if he's actually attracted to her or if he's. it's all an act, you know? It's, all, doesn't everyone find her attractive because she's young and the star? Well, it the movie acts like she's a social outcast, which I do find weird because she doesn't... She looks very pretty, right? Yeah, she looks it, like mainstream pretty. It's hard to be a social outcast when you're like generally attractive. Because right. you can be generally attractive and be a giant asshole freak and not be socially outcast because people don't look past your 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 you know charisma, your your prettiness. Yeah, so I mean she I wouldn't describe her as having charisma. She's very lackadaisical, but um she is pretty and it's hard to buy her as a social out uh, a social outcast but she as she laments to her spiders later on he lied and she's very um she says he wants to close in on me they all want to close in on me and take me away from you 
She says, if they do that, there won't be anyone to take care of you and you can't survive without me. Do you, does this scene reveal something about her? Like, is she supposed to have a narcissistic personality disorder or something? She has to talk to her spiders because she has no friends, right? Right. So I don't know if that's necessarily indicative of any like sort of narcissism. That's just her being lonely. Well, yeah, but part of the, Part of the reason she depends on spiders for company might be that, yes, they depend on her. And so she can lord the power over them, right? She can't do that with real people. But that wasn't her, I'd imagine her original intent on becoming like friends with spiders, right? Because there's not anything like that from her childhood. She's just like playing with, you know, garden spiders and such. She's introducing them to her friends. Her friends, in this case, being um, her dolls as a child. True. Um, there, there tends to be like this stereotype where, like, uh, usually, like social outcasts tend to be more attracted to um, animals that are uh, have a, a less than stellar reputation among like normies, like spiders, reptiles, um, you know, snakes lizards all that stuff frogs it feels like people who um are at least feel like they're outcasted or downtrodden kind of like emotionally relate to animals that they also feel are um you know emotionally outcasted or downtrodden upon by normally normies that's how i kind of felt like the the, there was that connection there okay yeah that makes sense to me that was the connection that i that i kind of uh put together i didn't really see any sort of narcissism here now obviously she is she killed her mom right i mean her mom was a dick but she still killed her mom Mm -hmm. so that's that that does uh put like a black mark on her personality (laughs) yeah but she didn't meet well at least as far as we know she didn't mean to cause the deaths of the people in the car but then the next scene and full knowing the power of her tarantulas, six them on this guy while he's working in a ventilation duct. Yeah, I think at so this point, at, at this point, it's malicious. Yeah, right? at, like at first it was like I'm defend it's self defense. I'm defending my father, my way of life. Then it was, oops, um, I just wanted to scare them, and now it's like fuck you. <laughs> yeah. No, she definitely intended him to die at this point. But I don't know if I would necessarily say any of this was like narcissistic or like a drive into um I mean obviously if you if you murder someone for for selfish reasons it's selfish, right? But she doesn't seem like she has a great opinion of herself. She just sort of exists. Well, she's definitely sociopathic. Yes. Yeah. Because she does show some remorse, but it's very short-lived. Yeah, you can be just a little sociopathic as a treat. You, you never have to go full <laughs> sociopath. So, yeah, I was very unclear in this scene. One, what exactly killed him? I guess it's just, again, dying from fright. And uh, two, how she got all of the tarantulas back out of the air conditioning duct and into her box. Well, they're obviously trained. They just kind of go back into the box when they're done. (laughs) And how do they know when they're done? 
I suppose you have to assume that there's some sort of supernatural connection between her and the tarantulas. Okay, maybe, perhaps. That's that's the only explanation you can give because you can't tra- you can't train a tarantula. At least uh no one's figured it out yet. Well, I did like when the when the detective finds the body, he I, I think it's a tarantula leg that he yeah. finds on him. Yeah, they find a leg. So does that mean one of the tarantulas is now missing a leg? Yes. And is that normal for tarantulas to lose legs? Um, in nature, it can happen. Uh, and as a pet in your house, it should never happen. But they grow back. Um, they can take up to two molts, but the leg will grow back and it'll be functional. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it'll look off color at first. And then eventually there'll be a molt where it just looks like the rest of the body, like it never lost a leg. Interesting. You know, after after they find the guy in the vent, the law enforcement does mention, I can't remember which guy, uh, mentions that he probably suffocated up there, like it was a tight squeeze. So maybe we were supposed to believe that the tarantulas shocked him into climbing too far up into the vent and then uh, suffocating. Uh, that makes sense. I mean, it doesn't sound logical, but it makes yeah, sense. No, but it makes sense within like the logic of the film. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. So the next scene I thought was really funny, which is prob- probably speaks ill of my personality, but um, we see that the girl who was traumatized, who was borderline catatonic a few scenes ago is is ready to go home she's up and walking around and all of that and um then she sees a spider on a bouquet of flowers that's in her room and she goes into hysterics and the doctor afterwards says that she's gone for good I think it's funny because <laughs> they're making this medical prognosis like it's a definite. Like, oh, nope, that was it. She, she, before, she totally could have came back, but now it's permanent. That's why it was funny to me is I'm glad I wasn't the only one because uh, on the one hand, it's horrifying. It's like this girl was almost free of this pain and trauma and now she's just sent back into hysterics but on the other hand it's so ridiculous that i can't help but laugh but the nurse remembers when the inspector asks about it that there was a a spider she says it was a harmless garden spider on the flowers but she does remember a spider which i found quite unbelievable they got to throw this detective a bone somewhere, right? Well, I guess so. And the leg. Yeah. <laughs> the leg, yeah. And like, like this this was before CSI, man. They they couldn't do any fancy lab work to to pick off like a micro tarantula hair off some victim's jacket, send it off to a lab to analyze it. Well, we haven't mentioned it, although we probably should that the police officer the investigator is her uncle yes it's uncle walter the I mean, uh yeah we mentioned he's 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 the cop yeah yeah so there's a very so he seems to be on to her 
And there's a very awkward dinner scene between her, her dad, and her uncle. Do you think the dad, like, does the uncle not like the dad either? Well, considering he was sleeping with the wife, his brother's wife, and planning on killing him, uh, I'd imagine he doesn't. him and his brother don't get along very well. But he pretends well, I to get say, along with the him. The mortician, at least... Mortician dad seems to be completely aloof of everything that's going on. And especially at this dinner scene where this guy is clearly being super creep, but the script demands that mortician father be absolutely blind to it. Yeah, it is hard to believe how he's so absolutely blind to it. Like you'd have to be super like Sunday school innocent to not catch any of this stuff. Oh, I know the, the, the mortician is is um what's the word absent minded he he two words One he word portrays back. he portrays a naivete that i find unbelievable but yeah he yeah. seems like a perfectly nice sweet person i could see him like maybe realizing a little bit about the situation and then not having like the inner strength to be upset over it like he has one of those kinds of personalities. But the fact that he doesn't recognize anything or realize anything is going on is a little frustrating. I think it would have been very satisfying if we saw a scene late in the movie where he confronted his brother, finally. But no, we don't get anything like that. No, no. No no father catharsis for us. The Uncle Walter tells Susan, he's like, Nancy is on to you. I think I know what's going on. I can take care of all of this and make it all go away, but only if you meet certain conditions, which basically means sleep with him, as far as I can tell. This scene gets a little vague. Of course, the father is out of town again, right? Right. I don't know why he's out of town for this time, because now the dad's in, because now, now the Uncle Walter is still here. Yeah, I think the dad might be running for office, which is weird, right? Because like a mortician job is not a great stepping stone to a political career. But I think that's what's going on. Well, there is like uh, in some states, there's a state coroner that's elected. All right. Well, maybe like, that's that's what's up. Um, like, uh, I don't think there's a, a state one in Florida, but there is by county and it's an elected and it can be an elected position. Um, like Kentucky, I don't know why I know this. Um, it's a state position. There's this one guy and he's elected. So maybe it's something like that. Now, this seems like a very Kentucky film, right? There's enough incest here. I think it, it must be somewhere on the East coast United States. Oh wait, there's a map here in the scene. Cause I have the movie playing in the background. Hang on. Let's see what this is a map of. It looks very official. Georgia. This takes place in Georgia. Columbus, Georgia is what this map is on the wall. Okay. That the, seems right to me. In, in Uncle Walter's office. Yeah, so maybe that's what's going on with the dad and his absences. Um, but this whole scene, which we don't really hear why, but Walter eventually gives up for now and like after trying to force her to kiss him, um, this scene, and, I don't know, man. This scene is kind of vague. Like he leans in to kiss her, 
and then it cuts to the outside of the house where the witness for whatever reason decided to show up to make sure that the that that Walter was following through on the plan. I'm not sure why she would question it, but she was right to technically. Right. I like, think she's but just while, but while we're treated to scenes of her lurking around the house, like the outside of the house looking through windows, we aren't really shown what's going on inside. Like we don't know how far it goes. That's true. So like, you think something of, there's a lot of horrible things implied in this film. And I think this is just one of like one, if not the worst one. Yeah. No, I hadn't thought about it that way, but I think you're right. I think, uh, I think there was some incest happening. Oh, there's definitely some incest happening. Cause we get to see some lips plant before this, the, the shot cuts. <laughs> we just don't know how far it goes. Again, uh, PG film, everybody. <laughs> Well, once Walter finds out that Nancy has been spying on him, he says that he can't allow that that kind of talk to damage his career. And so we get a very long chase scene where he chases Nancy through wood. It looks like they're running through woods, but it, I have the feeling they're just careening on the edge of people's properties. Every time in a movie where I've heard a character say, let's be reasonable here, something really shitty is about to happen. He catches her after a very long chase. Um, I thought she was going to get away for a little while, but no, he strangles her. Very quickly. Yeah, she dies very efficiently. <laughs> efficiently. At first, I thought she wasn't really dead. I thought she was just faking. But oh, you no. don't think they really killed her for the scene? The actress, you mean? Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and you know, because this guy's a an official police investigator, <laughs> he, he happens to leave no evidence behind whatsoever. So when her body is eventually discovered, um, his like lieutenant or whatever reports to him, sorry, there's nothing here. <laughs> yeah. No evidence. <laughs> and he has to act all pissed off about it. Like, how do you, what do you mean? There's nothing to work off of. How are we supposed to investigate this case closed? He he does say, I want the coroner to do an autopsy right away. I don't know what that would reveal aside from she died of strangulation, but the homeless, I'm assuming homeless guy that finds her like practically face down in a trench. Just like approaches the body and lifts the head up. <laughs> yeah, he's curious. Like, oh yeah, there's someone who's dead. He's just curious. He's probably never seen a dead body before. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you're homeless in Georgia, you've seen lots of dead bodies. Let's talk about the finale. Walter sneaks into Susan's room. What's crazy? Is it the father's out of town for like the third time in the film? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think this time he's just at the hospital. No, I, I have in my notes that he's gone for a campaign meeting. No, this time he's at the hospital, right? I don't oh, think let so. Me check, let me check real quick. Hang on, hang on. Okay. He is seen leaving 
a unlabeled building that has a sign that says lobby. So I don't know where the fuck he is. Could be a hotel. Could be another they, political thing. I think they talk about him going to a campaign meeting at some point. But anyway, wherever he is, um, Walter is able to sneak into the house and into uh, Susan's room where he tells her that he killed Nancy so they could be together. So he clearly he's delusional. That's what I was getting at earlier. And um, she responds by pushing him down the stairs where he is uh, apparently paralyzed. He begs for her help and she says no. And he's like, why, Susan? She says, because you destroyed my family and you made me kill my mother. And then she drags him, which I imagine has to be like horribly painful. Don't uh, you think? For him, he's paralyzed. You don't think he can feel, though? I'm um, assuming he can't walk, he can't feel. Uh, I'm not sure if that's true, because I've read reports of people who have pain in their paralyzed limb. If you're talking about, like, phantom limb stuff, I think it takes a while for that to set in. No, I, I actually know a lot about phantom limbs, and that can be instantaneous. But no, I'm talking about real paralyzed limbs. Hmm. I'd imagine he has other things on his mind right now. Well, she drags him. Uh, there, we, We're treated to a very slow, systematic scene where she uses this these... Um, what would you call this that she uses to lift the body out? So first off, she goes into the mortuary room where um, the latest victim is all set, ready for, I'm assuming, burial. It seems like the viewing has already been finished. This coffin is fancy, man. It is like pearl white. And when you lift up the lid, there is a second lid that is like a glass like preservation like lid for viewing like, for viewing but then like not many coffins have that sort of thing on them maybe it was different in the 70s but yeah nowadays, i don't know nowadays you know that's not really a thing unless you're i don't know like an elected official or something at a, at a very public viewing either way very fancy coffin. Her parents dumped a lot of money into that. <laughs> and uh, th it's also very roomy. It's very spacious. And you can tell because um, you're able to fit two bodies in there. Yep. Which is incredible. Um, she, uses, she uses this gurney that has been like kind of in the background of a couple scenes, like, like to establish it can be used to lift the corpse out of the coffin where she then just, I think just puts it on the floor. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, uses it to pick up uncle Walter and puts him in the bottom of the coffin under the lining, puts the lining on top of him and then puts her back in the coffin and closes the lid. And this takes a painfully long time. Um, it is very slow and deliberate. It's like a seven minute scene. Did it's the um, longest scene in the entire film. Did you find it effective? Yes. This this was the most effective scene in the whole film, which is great because it's the finale and it should be. Yeah. No, I thought so too. I I'm pretty sure 
the intention here is to show her kind of pseudo killing someone like a spider would, right? So pushing uncle the uncle down the stairs would be the same as uh, say envenomating him, like paralyzing him because tarantula venom to to smaller animals is something that paralyzes yeah uh, their prey, and then she wraps him up and uh you know puts him away yeah i hadn't thought of it that way but that's you're totally right and it's a very very slow process um i guess it's like that for spiders too well sort of but that that's this seems like the very deliberate image they were pushing here yeah i think this is the most effective scene in the movie um, it reminded me a little bit of some of the scenes in Beyond the Darkness, which we covered early on. Um, although those are mostly dealing with actual dead bodies, not paralyzed ones. But I was torn, and maybe this is part of what makes the scene effective. I was torn between feeling like this was justice, because this guy's been like the villain of the movie, and feeling horrified and thinking that Susan is a monstrous, evil villainess. Yeah, and but they, not... they turned her into the monster. True. Like, this is a super villain horror story, I suppose, um, seeing as she can seemingly communicate with tarantulas to make them get in and out of a box at will. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of the telepathic angle, but I think you must be right. there's no other explanation. So yeah, Susan lowers this man into the coffin and he could just hear him like muffled. Like, please, no, don't do this. Uh, As, as she's closing like the two lids to seal him in there. I'm assuming he would suffocate. It's probably airtight. Yeah. They even talk about the, the dad says something like when he sucks all of the air out, she'll stay this fresh for years or something. I just cannot believe two bodies fit in this coffin. This is like some premium shit here. Well, and the girl's body is probably really small, like on the scale of bodies. She's probably like a hundred pounds. Anyway, anything else before we rate this and get to final thoughts? You know, when you go into a film called Kiss of the Tarantula, you think that it's going to be about biting, tarantula bites, venom, and venoming, that sort of thing. But this film goes in a completely different direction. And uh, I don't know if that's necessarily a better one, but it, it was done relatively tastefully overall. The main scene in the drive-in theater that turns into a bloodbath is completely nonsensical but the rest of the film is grounded in its own like internal logic that works this film is very 70s um it it does feel refreshing to come back to this time period after we've been romping around in the 80s and 90s for so long the soundtrack although not as distinctive for me as this guy's previous work does a great job of setting the mood um you know, while we're recording this podcast, you know, we have it playing in the background and it jumps out just a little bit more as far as like uh, setting the tone. Um, if you like watching tarantulas, there's fucking plenty of legs here. You get to see a lot of spiders running around um, and none of them are hurt on camera. 
which uh after watching the nest is pretty um pretty refreshing especially for a film that was uh made like 10 years before if not what 15 oh my god probably like 20 almost 20 overall i'm not too crazy about this film but it does have some very strong scenes it with a stronger script it might be a little better but really the the last scene of the movie is what really makes it for me i say this is a decent watch um it's pg so you can watch it with your parents in fact you kind of have to depending on your age i'm gonna go with two stars here yeah i i like this is the kind of movie i like the most the kind of horror movie i don't think this is a particularly strong example of the genre but it's fun um I think it's decently acted, especially by all newcomers who would never act again, seemingly unprofessionals. I really like the family dynamic with the incestuous uncle and the hapless father and the evil mother who wants to send Susan away to boarding school because of her love of spiders. Like, I love that dynamic, and I just wish there was more of it. The mother dies way too early for me, and so it it takes away a lot of the the joy of the movie, I think. Whereas like in Carrie, which this obviously borrows some from, we get the mother character throughout the entirety of the film. And it's really a strong addition, like it's a strong component of that movie. But this movie is um in addition to kind of borrowing from Carrie, I think it probably borrows from Willard which came out, I think, like a year before this. Um, it reminds me a lot of the various loner befriends killer animal movies. Um, can you think of any others besides this and Willard? What comes to mind? Does the pit count? Sure. Okay, the pit. But God, there was one with a, with actual animals that I was thinking about earlier. This is, um, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's a super common trope, but like child partnered up with um, murderous animal is not a, exactly uncommon. Although in this film, it's just, it's less like normal. I think in a normal film, the tarantulas would be like talking to her or something, right? They would be imposing some sort of will that makes her murderous. And in this, this movie like forgoes all of that. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I think that, a lot of the features of the movie that I would rather it spend more time on, it, it doesn't do that. And so it, that's a little disappointing to me. But um, otherwise, I think this movie is uh, fun. I, I think there are some logic leaps here that make it difficult for me to take seriously. Like the fact that Susan, who loves tarantulas, would endanger her tarantulas the way that she does just doesn't seem real to me. Um the she's so remorseful when one dies but she doesn't hesitate to put them in a crowded car where she knows people are going to be thrashing around and stomping at them so things like that i think are really silly but overall i like this kind of it feels very regional it feels very local like a a group of people got together and made this it it feels very low budget and i appreciate all of those aspects so um but it's not a particularly good movie i'm gonna give it two and a half this movie just needed slightly better editing 
and a little bit of script tweaks. It would have been really classic. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely could. Anyway, said, I'm I'm glad the mom died early. I didn't want her around. Yeah, no. That's my favorite trope, the the evil mom. No, instead, you you came into this movie thinking it was going to be an evil mom movie and it ended up being an evil uncle film instead. Yeah, which isn't I can, I can understand getting, Yeah, I can understand getting upset with that switcheroo. Yeah. Imagine if the mom had had incestuous desires for the daughter. That would have been way more interesting. All I'm saying is that I think the, the uncle should have been a little less obvious. Like, you know, have it a little obvious, but not as bad. Yeah, it's really over the top. Because he, he, it's like he does it in a crowded room and she's the only one that notices. Yeah, it's it's really, really over the top. But anyway, that's it for Kiss of the Tarantula. We need to consult the Magic 8-Ball and see what our new theme is going to be. Your three options are Swamp Fishmen, Horrific Medical Experimentation, and Age Inappropriate Relationships. What was the middle one again? Horrific Medical Experimentation. Let's go with that one. All right. All right. All right. So I'll have to think about it, but next week we'll be talking about some film uh revolving around horrific medical experimentation and did you want to remove either of the other two categories yeah remove fishmen no not big on fishmen no all right it's out you'll cool. never have to be bothered by swamp fishmen again i appreciate it all right um so that's it for this week join us next week to talk about some horrific medical experimentation uh, you can follow us on Instagram at video.store.nightmares. Leland, do you have any last words? Thank you for your continued support. Beautiful. We will talk with you next week. Have a good one, everyone. Ha ha ha